episode five. Now, comrades, cried Snowball, throwing down the paintbrush to the hayfield. Let us make it a point of honor to get in the harvest more quickly than Jones and his men could do. But at this moment, three cows, who had seemed uneasy for some time past, set up a loud lowing. They had not been milked for twenty-four hours, and their udders were almost bursting. After a little thought, the pig sent for buckets, and milked the cows fairly successfully, their trotters being well adapted to this task. Soon there were five buckets of frothing, creamy milk at which many of the animals looked with considerable interest. What is going to happen to all that milk? said someone. Jones used to mix some of it in our mash, said one of the hens. Never mind the milk, comrades, cried Napoleon, placing himself in front of the buckets. That will be attended to. The harvest is more important. Comrade Snowball will lead the way. I shall follow in a few minutes. Forward, comrades! The hay is waiting. So the animals trooped down to the hayfield to begin the harvest. And when they came back in the evening, it was noticed that the milk had disappeared. Chapter 3 how they toiled and sweated to get the hay in. But their efforts were rewarded, for the harvest was an even bigger success than they had hoped. Sometimes the work was hard. The implements had been designed for human beings and not for animals, and it was a great drawback that no animal was able to use any tool that involved standing on his hind legs. But the pigs were so clever that they could think of a way round every difficulty. As for the horses, they knew every inch of the field and, in fact, understood the business of mowing and raking far better than Jones and his man had ever done. The pigs did not actually work, but directed and supervised the others. With their superior knowledge, it was natural that they should assume the leadership. Boxer and Clover would harness themselves to the cutter or the horse rake. No bits or reins were needed in these days, of course. And they would tramp steadily round and round the field with a pig walking behind and calling out, Yep, comrade, or Woe back, comrade, as the case might be and every animal down to the humblest worked at turning the hay and gathering it. Even the ducks and hens toiled to and fro all day in the sun, carrying tiny wisps of hay in their beaks. In the end, they finished the harvest in two days less time than it had usually taken Jones and his men. Moreover, it was the biggest harvest the farm had ever seen. There was no wastage whatever. The hens and ducks with their sharp eyes had gathered up the very last stock, and not an animal on the farm had stolen so much as a mouthful. All through that summer, the work of the farm went like clockwork. 
the animals were happy as they had never conceived it possible to be. Every mouthful of food was an acute, positive pleasure now that it was truly their own food, produced by themselves and for themselves, not doled out to them by a grudging master. With the worthless, parasitical human beings gone, there was more for everyone to eat. There was more leisure, too, inexperienced though the animals were. They met with many difficulties. For instance, later in the year, when they harvested the corn, they had to tread it out in the ancient style and blow away the chaff with their breath, since the farm possessed no threshing machine. But the pigs, with their cleverness, and Boxer, with his tremendous muscles, always pulled them through. Boxer was the admiration of everybody. He had been a hard worker even in Jones's time, but now he seemed more like three horses than one. There were days when the entire work of the farm seemed to rest on his mighty shoulders. From morning to night, he was pushing and pulling, always at the spot where work was the hardest. He had made an arrangement with one of the cockerels to call him in the mornings half an hour earlier than anyone else, and he put in volunteer labor at whatever seemed to be most needed before the regular day's work began. His answer to every problem, every setback, was, I will work harder, which he had adopted as his personal motto. But everyone worked according to his capacity. The hens and ducks, for instance, saved five bushels of corn at the harvest by gathering up the stray grains. Nobody stole. Nobody grumbled over their rations. The quarreling and biting and jealousy, which had been normal features of life in the old days, had almost disappeared. Nobody shirked. Or almost nobody. Molly, it was true, was not good at getting up in the mornings and had a way of leaving work early on the ground that there was a stone in her hoof. But the behavior of the cat was somewhat peculiar. It was soon noticed that where there was work to be done, the cat could never be found. She would vanish for hours on end and then reappear at mealtimes or in the evening after work was over as though nothing had happened. But she always made such excellent excuses and purred so affectionately that it was impossible not to believe in her good intentions. Old Benjamin, the donkey, seemed quite unchanged since the rebellion. He did his work in the same slow, obstinate way as he had done it in Jones's time, never shirking, and never volunteering for extra work, either. About the rebellion and its results, he would express no opinion. When asked whether he was not happier now that Jones would gone, he would say only, Donkeys live a long time. None of you has ever seen a dead donkey. And the others had to be content with his cryptic answer. On Sundays, there was no work. 
Breakfast was an hour later than usual, and after breakfast there was a ceremony which was observed every week without fail. First came the hoisting of the flag. Snowball had found in the harness room an old green tablecloth of Mrs. Jones's and had painted on it a hoof and horn in white. This was run up the flagstaff in the farmhouse garden every Sunday morning. The flag was green, Snowball explained, to represent the green fields of England, while the hoof and horn signified the future republic of the animals which would arise when the human race had finally been overthrown. After the hoisting of the flag, all the animals trooped into the big barn for a general assembly which was known as the meeting. Here the work of the coming week was planned out and resolutions were put forward and debated. It was always the pigs who put forward the resolutions. The other animals understood how to vote, but could never think of any resolutions of their own. Snowball and Napoleon were by far the most active in the debates, but it was noticed that these two were never in agreement. Whatever suggestion either of them made, the other could be counted on to oppose it. Even when it was resolved, a thing no one could object to in itself, to set aside a small paddock behind the orchard as a home of rest for animals who were past work, there was a stormy debate over the correct retiring age for each class of animal. The meeting always ended with the singing of Beasts of England, and the afternoon was given up to recreation.